Welcome to this PLUS podcast, Let's Talk Professional Liability. Before we get started, we would like to remind everyone that the information and opinions expressed by our speakers today are their own and do not necessarily represent the views of their employers or of PLUS. The contents of these materials may not be relied upon as legal advice. Before we get started, let's meet each of our speakers. I'll turn it over to Robbie Thompson to get us started. Thank you very much, Katie, and welcome everybody to Let's Talk Professional Liability. This is our second episode, and uh, we're excited about the continuation of this podcast. Uh, last week, we had John Benedetto from Berkeley, and uh, we had a great conversation. You can listen to that on the Plus app and uh, and hear all the comments from John's great information from uh, a leader in the DNO space. This week, we're lucky enough to have Manny Cho, Manny is the Executive Lions Practice Leader for RPS. Uh, Manny is out of San Francisco, uh, leads a large team in a number of different practice areas. So Manny, thank you very much for joining us. Uh, great to have you here. Thanks, Robbie. I'm really happy to uh, participate and thanks for asking me. I didn't realize I was number two. Pretty good. Yep, we 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 just thought we thought we'd really come out of the gates really fast with uh, with John Benedetto and Manny Cho. So that's we know we knew that they have a good strong lineup. Uh, so I hope, I hope I don't have the reverse effect. But thank you for asking me. Uh, thanks, Manny. Appreciate it. Again, I'm Robbie Thompson, CEO of Plus, and uh, and once again, welcome. So Manny, tell us a little bit about uh, your background and your experience in the professional liability space. Sure. Um, well, I, I actually started uh, my career as a P&T underwriter uh, with Travelers and then worked uh, for about 10 years with Chubb. And that's how I actually found my way out to San Francisco. I was uh, managing their technology practice um, out here and, you know, writing a lot of E&O for tech firms. I mean, at the time we had uh, Atari and Nintendo were just getting started. So it was a lot of interesting litigation. Um, around those guys. And then um, I was lucky enough to be included in the AIG rollout when we first started, they first started building uh, the NetAdvantage product. And so um, that NetAdvantage product, you know, was really my first 100% uh, foray into professional lines. Um, from there, I worked uh, with a wonderful firm called Carpenter Moore out in uh, San Francisco. Um, where I really kind of honed my craft in terms of wholesale and um, looking at different types of risks. We saw a lot of different things while I was there. Um, really special time in the industry um, and just really a, a special opportunity. And then um, I've worked in some retail opportunities, um, uh, worked and came back to the carrier side for a little bit. And then I've been with uh, RPS for uh, coming on five years now. So really run full circle, kind of seeing all sides of the professional lines world. So Manny, uh, um, how's the weather in San Francisco? I always ask that because it's, you know, 16 degrees below zero here in Minnesota. So I always like to hear from somebody who's uh, in a nice place. Um, it's a little warmer than 16 degrees. Um, <laughs> you know, we're, <laughs> we're going through our normal winter, um, which is, you know, why we pay high taxes and, you know, four dollars and fifty cents for a gallon of gas so <laughs> we pay for it in other ways well i have to say in your introduction i wasn't expecting to hear the word atari that brought me back a bit 
you know, I was thinking to myself at this at the video arcade playing uh, Space Invaders, which I'm sure that some people on this call know about and some don't. So, <laughs> oh, and then we get a little flashback when I see those uh, games on Amazon. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm I'm good at those games. The new ones, I'm I don't even know what to what to do. So, but yeah, too many buttons. <laughs> too many buttons. Yeah, too many buttons. <laughs> So Manny, let's uh, so talking about technology. Um, obviously, uh, a, you know a key area of your practice and and of your organizations is cyber. And I think that there's a lot of really interesting things happening in the cyber space right now with the market. What what do you think? What are you seeing in the marketplace um, for the cyber market? What's going on in the industry for cyber um, um, from a you know kind of an overall industry standpoint? And maybe we can drill down to some other specific items within the cyberspace. Yeah, um, it's a great question. I mean, you know, I like I said, I've I've been in, um, you know, probably for the first 10, 15 years. I mean, it was uh, I think it was just developing. I mean, we started out there were four perils: unauthorized access, unauthorized use, denial of service, and transmission of virus. You know, those are the four perils that. Um, underwriters underwrote to, and you know, those it was strictly liability coverage. And um, the market and the policies have really grown and changed since then. Um, one of my colleagues, Steve Robinson, um, actually developed this great graphic um, recently in, in one of his white papers, and it was um, it, it, it likened uh, the different stages of the cyber market to uh, like a growth of a child. Um, you know, and so the early stages are infancy and, you know, we would um, categorize where we are today as sort of the petulant teenager <laughs> stage. Um, you know, the losses are, are, you know, over the past few years have really risen. Um, you know, ransomware claims and demands are higher, resulting BI is higher. Um, you know, just a lot of more activity in the, on the claim side than uh, we ever expected or had ever seen. So. And we also have a lot of new entrants into the market over the past uh, four or five years that have all kind of um, reduced prices and, you know, expanded terms. So it's probably, you know, if you kind of put a pin um, on the map and say, wow, this is what's probably the worst, you know, the best times for insurance and the worst times for carriers, you know, it's probably a couple of years ago where you had losses rising um, and then you had prices falling. So I, I think there's, uh, what we've seen so far this year is a pretty big correction in the market that's taken place. So what what kind of uh, corrections are you seeing from a hardening standpoint? And in how long do you think that that's, that's going to last for? Um, well, the most immediate has definitely been an increase in rates. Um, we're seeing, you know, rate increases on the low side, you know, 15% and on the high side, as much as 60%. Um, you know, just depending on the industry, uh, depending on the loss ratio. I mean, it, it's been pretty brutal. Um, the other, you know, big changes have been uh, reductions in capacity. So that's um, renew easily anymore. We're seeing a lot of people cut limits to five or down to three. Um, you know, that's a, another big change. We're seeing some people even pull out of categories that they used to underwrite before. Um, that's usually a, a big indicator of where, some, where they plan 
to grow or not grow uh, in, into uh, the next calendar year. Um, and then we're seeing a lot more underwriting. So, um, you know, underwriters all have their, their ransomware applications that they need completed. I mean, sometimes they will accept others, but a lot of times they need their own because it, um, it correlates to their own rating modules. So, um, you know, they have to have it in order to rate. So um, insurers are not only being hit with, you know, increased premiums, uh, reduction in terms and conditions, but now they have to fill out multiple applications to get the quote, which, you know, in the past might have been really easy to obtain. So definitely a lot of changes coming across. Um, and the last one I'll probably add is um, there's, a, there's definitely a bifurcation between some of the fintechs using their own technology or third-party technology to do scans immediately and um, some carriers partnering with some of the, uh, I, don't, I don't want to call them old because these companies haven't been around that long, but um, some of the more um, experienced um, security scanning firms uh, like BitSight or um, I would even say Science uh, on the back end, where um, in their underwriting process, you know, so a lot of traditional carriers are partnering with uh, these third-party vendors to run scans on their books of business, uh, both renewal and new. Um, to determine if they want to underwrite and provide terms or not. So it's been very interesting. I mean, um, you know, before we could probably get, you know, we send a submission to 10 markets, we'd probably get 10 quotes. Um, now we'd send it to 10 markets and we might only get five or six. So definitely different. So, so how's that changed the work of the brokers? How much more difficult is it as a broker? What are some of the challenges now that the brokers are faced in the cyberspace that they weren't? two, three, five years ago? Um, it's definitely a lot harder. I mean, uh, the the broker is, uh, you know, before, you know, writing that simple $1 million policy for, I don't know, 1500 to $3,000 in premium, you know, you can send it out to a couple carriers and it'd be pretty consistent. Um, now that insured is probably, you know, looking at 20, 30% rate increase and they want, you know, a better sense for the market. So, you know, before, you know, you could just roll that renewal over. It's probably going to be flat, um, may even have a little pricing dec decrease. This year, you're marketing to three or four different places, having to fill out some more applications. And it's, it's a lot more difficult, a lot more, a lot more work involved, um, you know, and the insurance probably still going to see an increase. But, um, you know, I, I feel bad for them because they're getting hit all across the board on all of their other lines of business. And, you know, cyber is the last one where they're definitely going to uh, feel a little more pain. So I think two things that we see keep seeing uh, come up uh, in conversations we're having as we're putting together content for the cyber symposium uh, is, is, you know, the, still the, the term silent cyber and, uh, and ransomware. Can you just explain? Um, two questions here. Can you explain uh, a little bit what silent cyber is and how that's happening? And then second is with regards to ransomware. Can you just talk about some of the uh, the big things that are happening with regards to ransomware? Sure. Um, on, on the silent cyber front, I mean, this is one of those interesting issues. I mean, I, I know we talk about it a lot at conferences. I, I don't know if I'm... Um, I'm a huge believer in the massive exposure out there with silent cyber. Um, I think a lot, you know, for instance, um, Lloyd's of London, um, a 
last year and the year before really took a look and said, look, we cannot have this coverage sitting out here where we may or may not pick it up under other policies. So we have to really make um, make sure that the policies exclude cyber in its entirety or very clear how much it'll pick up. So I, I think it still exists in some areas and, you know, it, it is because, you know, cyber is so broad and, you know, the use of technology in everybody's day-to-day uh, -day activity. I mean, you just can't avoid it. So everyone has a potential exposure to cyber risk or some downtime due to loss of technology. Um, and I think that's what we're seeing more of today. But um, I, I, I don't know if silent cyber, I think it's still a concern, especially probably for the reinsurance market where they're not pricing for it on certain lines of business. Um, but, you know, I, I think ransomware from a pure practical loss perspective um, is a lot more challenging for underwriters than um, the silent cyber issue. Um, on the on the ransomware issue, um, there it's just an increase in losses. I mean, um, you know, you could look at multiple factors in terms of uh, why the losses have increased over the past couple of years. I mean, you know, the one factor that hasn't changed since I started in cyber and started working with security firms is that um, you know people are the are the key causes of loss. You know, someone opening that email, um, you know, letting that malware program in, someone, you know, transferring funds when they weren't supposed to, to the bad actor, um, someone giving access to the system to the bad actor, it still kind of all boils down to people. And, you know, since people still <laughs> run organizations and work in companies, um, you know, it will, it will always continue, you know, that will be the biggest risk. But, um, the, the losses have just increased, you know, dramatically. I think, um, you know, we're still seeing the social engineering losses, but uh, the carriers did a great job in uh, really paring back limits and, you know, the uh, limiting their potential payouts to more reasonable rates. Um, but it's that's still driving loss ratio in the cyber market. But ransomware, I mean, we've seen the claims just erupt in terms of, you know, just the qu the quantity of claims, um, you know, the, I don't think a week goes by when I don't have two or three ransomware claims come across my desk. And then the results of BI has been um, really the huge driver. So um, firms are out, you know, they incur a lot of additional expense. They have data recreation. So you could have a $100,000 ransomware event and you could have, you know, a multi-million dollar business income event um, that follows. And that is really driving, I think, a lot of the losses for the market right now. So maybe why, and maybe this isn't, a, I shouldn't maybe know the answer to this and maybe it's simple, but, you know, why? Why is ransomware, why are there so many more ransomware cases right now is is our one is there more people insured so that they're actually seeing more of it um or is it just more of it's happening or is it just that lucrative to where um that's why they continue to to happen uh i think all of the above um i i think people are because of ransomware ironically i think more people are aware of the potential hazards of not having cyber insurance i mean you know, the policy beyond paying for loss also is great about providing resources and 
um, in case of a loss or, you know, pre-breach resources and risk management pieces for every client. So from that perspective, it's been, um, it's been great for the insurers to actually um, have someone they can talk to, um, you know, pre and post breach um, about things that happen. Um, you know, ransomware as a whole, I mean, just the prolifer proliferation of malware and the ability to put something in the market, um, it's just exploded. I mean, and on the dark web, I mean, they're selling software like, you know, like you do at Amazon or, you know, just download it and send it out. So anyone, anybody can be a hacker and send out malware. And, you know, with the, the way that people are online more now and the way they use your phones or the way they use your systems, I mean, it, it's pretty easy for someone to just click on that malware and infect, you know, entire company systems. Um, the other big thing too is that the criminals, because of insurance, I mean, they now know that there's this great cyber insurance. I mean, they are, they're very smart. You know, they're, they're like that bad kid in school that, you know, if you only use your powers for good and not evil, you know, so if you used it to study and not cheat, you would have been a genius. Um, these guys are organized, they're well-organized operations, um, very high levels. I mean, they even have customer service centers set up um, to talk about ransomware and this, you know the keys and helping people unlock their systems because they they want to make sure people trust that their systems will be unlocked if they get paid um, and then the demands are just higher I mean we've um, we've worked on a number of claims and I have a lot of colleagues in the industry and we've talked about this where you know the the bad actor will be sitting in the system searching for keywords like insurance or cyber insurance on emails or any kind of um, folders and then they'll find out what your insurance limit is and suddenly your ransomware demand is well, pretty where well, pretty close to your insurance limit so um, it's just it's a very well-run operation organizationally I mean it, it's there's a lot of bad actors out there figuring out ways um, to attack these firms and, um, you know, exhort uh, as much money as they can. And, you know, there's insurance to back them, which, which is what insurance is designed for. But, you know, to this scale, I just, I, I don't think the industry was ready uh, for everything that it's seen. So since it wasn't ready, what's, what's kind of changed then in the due diligence process? I think you might've talked about a little bit earlier, but I mean, it's, it's almost it's inevitable that someone that you're going to get hit at some point in time. You're probably almost have some certainty of a claim. Um, so I mean, how do you how do you do due diligence and what's changed in that in the last few years for a company uh, when you're actually writing when when the underwriters are writing it? Um, you know, I think the insured or the the carriers are are trying to figure it out. Um, I don't think that there's a there's a good answer for you know the main causes of loss. I do think they've honed down some of the incidents to say you know open RDP ports um, are you know one case where bad actors can get into your system. Um, not having multi-factor authentication, especially for our remote users, and because of the obvious proliferation of work from home right now. Um, you know, if you don't have the ability to authenticate who's getting into your system, um, a cause of loss. Um, we're seeing a lot of questions come up around incidents response planning. So, 
um, you know, similar to property, like, you know, if you have a fire, what, what's your plan to get back up and running? Or if you have an event, what's your plan to get up and running? So I think, you know, from a, you look at it from a basics of, all right, are you, you know, are you protected? Do you have validation in your system? And then if something happens, can you get back up and quickly? I think they're just trying to touch on all those key points, um, using third party outside vendors, help them from a technology perspective, at least understand what the potential technology risks are. And then the underwriters can, you know, can make a bet, um, so to speak, you know, or, you know, quota premium if they feel comfortable um, on that insured based on, you know, the, the other scans and the, the other things that they can see using that technology. I, I think it's a work in process. I mean, you know, like I said, if, if we send 10, um, a submission to 10 carriers, you know, the four or five that might decline will will cite some technology reasons that they see, but the other, you know, five or six that quote, they'll use a scanning technology that won't have, that won't see anything that's wrong or see things very differently. So I think that's still in the early stages of development, but I, I think underwriters realize that you know, uh, they just can't wing it anymore. They need some kind of help and guidance to show, you know, what might be a better risk than not. Um, I sort of equate it simply, you know, to that old adage that you see sometimes around, you know, having alarms on your house. You know, the burglars kind of roll around and then they'll look at the houses that don't have the ADP or, you know, some other security sign out front and they'll target the other guys. And, and hackers are very similar in terms of you know not wanting to you know go against the the toughest more secure areas so i think that's what the underwriters are trying to determine like who at least has some security and protocols up um versus the people that are just you know not looking at security and all and looking at insurance as sort of their their main protection line um, those are the insurers that they want to stay away from Well, I know, Manny, I appreciate all that insight into ransomware. We certainly are uh, going to be talking about that lat, uh, quite a bit at the upcoming um, cyber symposium. Um, and I'm sure that there'll be a lot more on that. Certainly a fascinating area um, overall. Uh, so, Manny, just share with us a little bit. I asked a little bit about kind of while the broker's um, experience has changed, but you've been leading people in this industry for a very long time and um, just wondering, uh, you know what kind of what's some some insight you have into to leading brokers and helping them be successful in their careers what are some of the things that you do that to help your brokers be successful um i i think the biggest thing that i've always carried as a mantra with me it was actually given uh to me by um, one of my early bosses at, at chubb his name was claude garrett um unfortunately passed away way too early um I mean, he just said, you know, this is a business of people. So you really just have to treat people as you would like to be treated. Um, and it, it sounds very simple, but it's a great guiding principle. So even um, with things with uh, my team, I mean, I'm very upfront and honest about things, good and bad. Um, you know, they should, you know, everyone's an adult in the room and we should be able to talk about things and discuss things. Um, and I, I, for me, it helps me sleep better at night. I mean, there's no secrets. There's no 
you know, hidden agenda or hidden doors. I mean, what I tell to one person, um, I feel very confident about, you know, the fact that if I have a conversation with someone else, it's the same message. Um, I, I think that gives, you know, just some comfort to people to know exactly where they always stand and what's going on. Um, with our customers, I think, you know, what I tell them, I mean, I had a experience as a retailer. I mean, I, I did the cold calls. I did um, the cold meetings, the prospecting, just trying to get opportunities. And so from that experience, I was really able to glean um, how important every submission is that comes through those doors to us is to that retailer. And, you know, really for me, says how I need to treat that business. I mean, that, that policy could be $1,500, you know, in premium, but could be a hundred hours of work for that individual um, to get the opportunity to quote, you know, the E&O plus maybe a, uh, the package auto work comp, et cetera. And so we need to treat it, you know, with a level of respect and a measure of respect um, because of all the work that it took to bring that in the door. So, you know, those are the things I try and pass on to people. I mean, just, just be good to each other. I mean, it's, it's not a, it's not a, um, it's not a um, mind blowing rule, but it really just kind of works. I mean, and, um, there's a lot of great people in this industry and, you know, we, sort of gravitate to the people that work best with us. Yeah, that, that great parting words for us, you know, be good to each other. I think in today's society, in today's world, more often that we can think about that, that the better we are. Um, I know we try to preach that in all we do in PLUS and in, in all of our programs and all of our work with our volunteers and staff is, you know, be good to be each other, treat people with respect. and. And positive things certainly come out of that. So I appreciate that that comment, Manny, very much. Well, so, I, I've got to give you guys kudos. I mean, these guys have been tremendous to the Plus Foundation and everything else and, um, and all the work that you guys do for the industry um, and for professional lines. So uh, thank you and your team for everything. It, it's always a pleasure to work with you guys. And I look forward to the Cyber Symposium, which is always fantastic. Appreciate that, Manny, and thank you very much for those kind words and for being on here and sharing some of your experiences. Cyber is certainly an interesting space, um, and uh, you're a key component of that, and you're doing great things out there. So we really do appreciate you coming on and sharing some of your wisdom with us, um, and, um, and we'll wrap it up with that. So, uh, Manny, again, thank you, and uh, look forward to seeing you in the upcoming events at the Cyber Symposium and then other things in PLUS. Sounds great. Thank you, Robbie. Be safe. Everybody, thank you for attending once again the Let's Talk Professional Liabilities podcast. Uh, we will be continuing our podcast series, so look forward to upcoming uh, episodes. Thank you all very much, and have a great day, and stay safe. Thank you for listening to this PLUS podcast. If you have ideas you would like to be considered for future podcasts, visit the PLUS website and complete the PLUS content idea form.